Hey, it's great to be with you this morning, and i um, so excited to be in Jefferson at Hope Crossings. First time being here with you guys, um, but uh, this is an area that that um, we're kind of familiar with. Our son got married here. Um, he, after graduation, he moved up to Gainesville area, and uh, he took a position at uh, at a church up in Gainesville, a uh, little tiny church up in Gainesville. You uh, Probably if I said the name, you would know what it is. Um, but but seriously, um, but he is he is working in ministry. Uh, was in this area now. He's in North Carolina, and um, so uh, we're we're just glad to be here. And um, thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, guys, what a what an awesome privilege to be pastored by Pastor Chris and Lisa. Amen. Uh, just wonderful folks, and I love Pastor Chris. He's just so chill. He's just like, you know, um, we play golf together and, uh, you know, good balls, bad balls. It doesn't matter. It's a good day. Pastor Chris, he, he don't mind. You know, like uh, he's, he plays, sometimes he plays like me, the right, left golf, right side, left side. You know, if you get it down the fairway, that's good, but it's still a great day. Um, uh, he's more humble than me uh, because when I hit a good shot, I expect ESPN to cover it. And he... Yeah, and he's just like, hmm, uh, but he's just really chill. You know, I, I like hanging out with him, um, and uh, so I like going to out to eat with him, too, because, like, he can order anything uh, and not gain a pound, and I gain five pounds looking at what he orders. <laughs> so, uh, but a lot of fun, uh, and uh, we appreciate them, and it's always great to be with the family of God no matter where we're at. And we are in kind of a co-pastoral position. I actually serve as the executive pastor uh, at the Assembly at Augusta. And, uh, and so that's been going great. We merged our two ministries about five years ago. And God's been doing great things. Uh, we went to our district office and we asked them counsel on how to do that and how to pull that off successfully. And the response that we got is, we don't know because it's never been done successfully in our district. And so we really don't know what to tell you. Five years later, to God be the glory and everything is going well. The church is growing and it's healthy spiritually and we're praising God all the way. And, uh, and it makes it easy because uh, when we get ready for to do the thing like that Pastor Chris is doing and uh, taking a sabbatical or whatever, we, we have, once again, like you guys, we have staff, we have elders, we have people that can make that happen, and that's a, that's a great thing. So kudos to your pastor for taking time off. Listen, you're, you're going to be better for it. The congregation is going to be better for it. So support it, get behind it, pray for them as he takes that time. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love for you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. We're going to be looking at the first 13 verses of this chapter. And I'd like to talk to you this morning about a woman who felt used, mistreated, and is somewhat misunderstood in the Bible uh, to say that she felt scared, lonely, and unloved is an understatement. In despair, she wondered if anyone cared about her or what was happening to her unborn child. And you may have figured it out by now, but this person that I'm referring to is Hagar. And so this is her story, and I'd like to share her story with you today in a message titled, The God of My Hard Places. The God of My Hard Places. Now maybe you or someone you know can relate to her story. Um, maybe you feel alone or you feel misunderstood. Or maybe you feel like that no one understands what you're going through. 
And having said the things that Pastor Chris just mentioned about uh, coming through COVID and, you know, 2020 and all of that, um, what things have really changed, right? Uh, we're, we're living in a different world. And so uh, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, but first, I want to invite you to pray with me as we begin this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I just come to you now and I, I, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor to speak to your people. God, I pray that you set a watch, Lord, over my mouth, my heart, hide me behind the cross. And God, I pray that in these times that we may feel like in life that are less than pleasant and the assignments of life are hard. I pray you show us the way. When unexpected trials and adversaries and, well, and, and things of, of difficulty try to cloud our judgment, give us vision. And Lord, when times when we question our faith, I pray that you would keep us grounded in your word. Reveal your plan and your purpose for the greater cause of your kingdom as we strive to work together. And let your word today encourage and strengthen us, Lord, for the journey ahead. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 16, if you're there with me, say amen. So we're introduced to Hagar, and she, according to the scripture, is an Egyptian maidservant of Sarai. And Sarai is the wife of Abraham, or Abram in this case, before his name was changed. And Sarai was battling her own spiritual battle. She was battling infertility. And as a result, she decided to take matters into her own hands. And as you can imagine, she was emotional. And she was struggling with her faith. And I'm not making excuses for her and condoning what she did here in this chapter. But let me just say that uh, sometimes godly people make ungodly decisions and because of those ungodly decisions, in the midst of their pain, it leads to regretful outcomes. We've all been there. So we're not casting any stones this morning in, in any way, form or fashion. But in her haste, Sarah tried to work out her own situation outside of the timing of God. I don't know if you've been there this morning. I have. I know what that feels like. I know the pain associated with the outcome of those types of things. And if you'll look with me at verse 2, this is what she says to Abram. She says, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Now, although this was a common thing back in those days, how many of y'all know this ain't going to end well? I don't care how and what kind of customs you got. But Abram, not willing or wanting to wait on God's timing either, he agreed to go along with Sarah's plan. And so Sarai was instructed then to, or instructed Hagar on what was about to happen. And after uh, a spur of the moment wedding ceremony of sorts, Abram lies with Hagar and she conceives and a son was to be born who would be named Ishmael. The Bible says when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she despised her mistress. And some translations even say that she treated Sarai with contempt. 
In verse 5, if you're looking with me, it says, Sarai in her guilt blamed Abraham, and this is what she said, My wrong be upon you. How about that, guys? I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. Now, watch this. Abraham now, feeling guilty himself, he responds and tells Sarai to do whatever she thinks is right in the situation. And so Sarai mistreats Hagar, and pain is just continued in a cruel cycle, and thus the old saying is, hurting people hurt people. The Bible says or tells us that due to the ill treatment received here, that Hagar ran away attempting to escape her difficulty and her cruel circumstances in her life. Now, obviously, there are a lot of underlying dramas that are going on in these first five verses. This, if you want to read drama, well, you can find it in the Word. You can find it. You can find situations where we as people get ourselves into a mess real quick. But thank God He's always there. And obviously, when you look at this scripture, um, uh, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps some of you can relate today. Perhaps you can relate, maybe not to her exact situation, but to the emotions that she experienced. Fear, loneliness, a feeling uh, that she was unloved or uncared for. Uh, maybe you were neglected or abused as a child. The reality is, is out there. Um, maybe you were abandoned by a husband or a wife. Maybe you lost a job or you lost your dream home. Maybe your employer, even now, doesn't recognize you for your value or for your worth. And they don't understand what exactly you do and how hard you work for the company. Maybe a friend has hurt or betrayed you. And these are difficult emotions to process when, when life gets tough it's tempting to do what Hagar did and to retreat. It's very tempting to just, just run away from the pain, uh, from the situation, especially if you know that there's nothing that you can do to change it. Uh, you know, we're just, to some point, we're just powerless beyond uh, uh, our, our ability to be able to change certain situations. Perhaps you've wondered like Hagar when she was found alone in the desert, does anyone care about me? Maybe you feel like this morning that, that, uh, that perhaps that even God, you know, does God care? Does God understand really what I'm going through? And the answer to all of these heart-rendering questions this morning, as it was for Hagar, so it is for you, is yes. God does see you. God understands you. And He is famous for showing up in hard places. Look at verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Now, many theologians believe here that as it's speaking the, about the angel of the Lord, it was in fact the Lord himself in angelic form. And we can't say for sure, but it does seem from everything that we read in the New Testament to fit the characteristics of the person of Jesus. We read throughout the Gospels and we quickly see that Jesus was all about the one, wasn't he? Jesus is all about, he left the 90 and 9 and he would go after that one lost lamb every time. He would, he would go away from the crowds and minister to the individual that was hurting and lonely. And, and this proves, in fact, if we look into this chapter, this proves that God was looking for Hagar and that Hagar was, in fact, valuable to God. Uh, that God was willing to come to her in her lowest hour. 
And so he wanted to show her that she was worth searching for. And the same can be said about you. You see, you're not just another number to God. This is what I love about God. He's so different from the way that we do things in this world, isn't he? In this world, it's all about take a number. It's all about another face in the crowd. You're just a, you just kind of blend in and you, you just kind of fade into the background, but not with God. According to Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, he knows the details of our life, even the number of hairs on our heads, which he doesn't have to count much for me. But he knows more about myself even than I know about myself. Luke chapter 12, verse 7 says that your worth to him is more than many sparrows. And then in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, it says that the Lord took intimate interest in forming you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, I have a testimony, and I'll probably share a little bit towards the end of this message this morning, but, but I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God designed me, and people would look at me, and they would say, well, there's nothing wrong with that guy. And doctors will look at me and say, there's nothing right with this guy. But I will tell you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, he made me the way that I am and for the purpose that I have come even to deliver a message today. God knew me. Even in my mother's womb, he knew you in your mother's womb. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that you're the workman of God created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that you would walk in these things. You see, you being here today is no, is no uh, surprise to God. He knew who was going to be here. He knew those that would not be here. He knew where you would live. He knew where you would work. See, God is God. Is God. He, he's able to, to understand the future and see the future far beyond ourselves. And so that is, that's how much you're loved this morning. And, and not only does he know you, but he calls us by name. This is what I love about God. I want you to look in verse 8 with me. And notice when God found Hagar at the spring, the first word out of his mouth was, not, hey, servant girl, come here. It wasn't... You know, it wasn't made. It was, he called her Hagar. In the earlier verses by Sarai and Abram, she was referred to, remember when we read it earlier? All they referred to, he, they never said her name. They always referred to as handmaid or, or servant girl. And so up until this point in the narrative, we don't really even know if Hagar understood the glory of God and understood the majesty of God. I mean, she was a servant to, to Sarai, but we're not sure if she was educated. I'm sure that she heard some things about God, and she probably attended some, you know, spiritual meetings with them of that, of that uh, uh, caliber. But the same is true for you and I. In Christ, what I'm trying to say here is that you're not just a number. You're not even just a servant. You're a child of the king. In Christ Jesus, you're precious to God. John chapter 10 verse 3 tells us that he knows every sheep in his pasture by name. Wow. That, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, I, I, can't even, I can't even keep up with some of the people, you know, that, that I meet on a regular basis. Um, you know, and I have to go, what was, what was their name again? But God never forgets your name. He never forgets your name. He always, he's always looking for you as well. And so watch this. And it also says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16, it says that he has engraved your name in his palm. 
You may have never read that verse before, but that word engrave carries a deeper implication than being written. You can write something and you can get some white out and put over it. If you wrote in ink, if you wrote in pencil, you can get that eraser and you can erase a pencil. But God doesn't write in pencil. He, he doesn't even write in pen. See, God doesn't, he doesn't even own an eraser because he never makes a mistake. But the Bible says that your name is engraved in his hand if you've accepted him and you've, you've uh, come to understand this free gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So God has no use for, for um, even, like I said, pencils, pens. He just, he carves things in, into, like for instance, when he carved into the stone tablet for Moses, the law of God. And then Moses, you know, as the old saying was, the only person that broke all the Ten Commandments at once was Moses. <laughs> but then he had to go back and he had to rewrite. You know, he had, you know, where do you think he got the next tablets? God etched them in stone again. And so God came back and said, you know, I know you messed up, Moses. You got upset and you threw the tablets. You know, you didn't do what was right. But here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. I'm going to give you those again. But he carves his law into our hearts. He carved it in stone for Moses. He carved it into our hearts for us, but he puts his, our names in the palm of his hand. Now look at verse 9 with me. It says, The angel of the Lord uh, pursued and found Hagar, but uh, well, let me, well, actually, uh, verse 9 here it says, this is, what, this is what the angel told Hagar after pursuing her and after finding her, and uh, he instructs her and says this. He tells her this, Return to your mistress and submit yourselves under her hand. Wow. So if I had been Hagar, let me just be honest, okay? If I'd been Hagar right here, I'd have been like, Lord, are you serious? Like, this woman is emotionally unstable. There's something going on in her, Lord. She's, <laughs> there's things not right. You want me to go back and submit to her? And I want you to listen here because this is important. See, God didn't miraculously remove Hagar from her difficult situation. He didn't just take it away. He could have because he's God, right? But he didn't, he didn't do that. Um, and, and no doubt, this is our expectation of God when we get into difficult situations. How many of you prayed, come on, be honest, Lord, take me out of this situation? I see those hands. I've seen a finger go up. Yeah. Lord, I don't want to be here. I don't want to go through this. And then if you've gone through this, you kind of know what this is, and you're like, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> Lord, I, I just, I'd rather not even be here. But it's interesting that God didn't remove, and, and so that was not God's plan for her at the time. Sometimes God will rescue you out of the difficult situations, but sometimes, probably more so than others, He gives us grace to walk through it. Now, I don't, listen, that's not an easy word to preach. It's, it's a more even more difficult word to receive. And I've been bo on both ends. I've had to preach that and receive that. And it's, you know, it's kind of like taking the bitter medicine. It, it, it's bitter going down, but it helps you in the long run. But I want you to look at verse 10. This is important here. We need to see this. In, in verse, well, let's look at verse 9 and 10. The angel of the Lord, let's look at it again. The angel of the Lord said, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. I'll multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted 
for multitude. In other words, in the midst of the place where you feel broken and you feel isolated, you feel abandoned and afraid that this is where I'm going to bless you right here. Now, I need somebody to get this this morning because, because God cannot bless you like he really wants to bless you in the place of isolation where, where you're hiding out, where you're hiding from the trouble, where you're hiding from that hard situation. God says, I'm going to bless you. I want to bless you, but I just can't do it here. I, I need to do it back over here. And what I need you to do is make a complete cycle. I don't want you to run away. I don't want you to give up and quit. I want you to go back to where I've got you, where I planted you, where I put you. And if you'll do that, that's where I'm going to do the miracle. It's going to be there. Not over here. If you stay over here, I can't do it. But if you'll go back. So, for instance, when the children of Israel did thirst in the desert, what did God do? He brought water from the rock. When they hungered in the, in the desert, he rained manna from heaven. Right? He didn't just like, there wasn't no Hardee's guys like you got down the road here. I turned the corner down there. I was like, yes, a Hardee's. I like Hardee's. I like Hardee's biscuits. I grew up with Hardee's biscuits and in the morning. And probably some of you guys might hang out at that Hardee's and drink coffee. I don't know. But, um, but I like Hardee's. Uh, you know, I even like their chicken. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not hard to please. But there was nothing like that in the desert. There wasn't any exits. There wasn't no, you know, rest stops. They were just like, hey, it was a harsh land. And as they were walking, and in fact, when they were trapped, they had the Red Sea on one side and the enemy on the other. God said, I'll open the Red Sea. You're not going to retreat. You're not going to run away. You're not going back to Egypt. I've got a plan. If you'll just wait on me and let me order your steps, he said, I'll make a way where there is no way. And that's what I've come to tell you this morning, that I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you've been facing, but God says, I'm going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. I am God. I can do it. I can open the Red Sea. I can part it if you'll just trust and believe. He even outnumbered, or, or should I say, out, uh, <laughs> outpowered all of Israel's enemies when they were outnumbered. God said, I know, I see them. <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, Joshua and Caleb at times were like, Lord, you got this, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you see this, right? You see what's before us. And God said, I got this. And so here back to Hagar's story for the first time, Hagar experienced the overwhelming love and the overwhelming power of Almighty God. Maybe, in fact, for the very first time in her life. And as a result, watch what she said and look at verse eight or verse 13. She said this, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. In other words, it was here in this place of personal encounter with God that she went from hearing the stories about God to knowing that God not just, not just exists, but he sees me. He knows I exist. <laughs> he, he knows that and, and in fact, not only do, do I see him, but he sees me and I see him seeing me. Are y'all following this? Like, like it's, it's one thing to know that God is out in the cosmos somewhere, but it's a, it's a whole other thing to know that the God of the universe takes time to love you and to care for you and to provide for you. And when you pray, the God of glory will answer your prayers. 
Hagar reminds us all that the tangible love of God is available when we're suffering. It's available when we feel alone or when we're afraid. And she reminds us to see God seeing us in difficult places. And out of her gratitude, she gives God this name. She gives God a name. And, and, and she's, it, it's quoted in the verse we just read, the God who sees, but it's translated in Hebrew, El-Rahi. Now, if you come from where I come from, in like Appland, Georgia, around the creek banks of Clark's Hill Lake, you might call him Elroy. <laughs> but El-Rahi. And so, so God has many names, and throughout the scripture we can see those names, but interestingly enough, Hagar is the only person in the Bible, male or female, Jew or Gentile, that actually gave God a private nickname that has been passed down from generation to generation. You see, God gave names to people. In fact, we know that he changed Abr Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. So we see it through the Old Testament and the New Testament you know, he changed people's names even in the New Testament. Jesus, Jesus even did that. But here, this young lady who was, watch this, a mere servant to everyone else. She's just another, another number, another face in the crowd. She gives the God of the universe a name that you and I can relate to today. I can just imagine her on her way back because God told her to go back, right? On her way back, I can imagine her saying these things, even though life is hard for me. I see the God who sees me. Even though I feel alone, I see the God who sees me. Even though I'm scared and I'm broken, I see the God who sees me. I, I'm looking at you, God. Your eyes are on me. And I feel comfort and I feel secure. Can I tell you that in my life, there's been a lot of times when I have been very uncomfortable and very nervous about the things that God's called me to do. But all I have to do is say, God, I know that you're seeing me. I look his way and I see him peering back at me and smiling at me and I have this comfort in knowing that if I do what God says to do, what God has called me to do, everything else in my life is going to work out. Everything else is going to be okay. So she knew that God was El-Rahi or El-Roy, the God who sees. And he remains the same. The scripture says, yesterday, today, and forever. And that's good news. So she learned to take her hands off of the situation and let God deal with it. And, uh, and you know what? I love the fact still, and I love repeating this, that, that your name and my name is written in the palm of God. Man, what a promise. What, a, what an awesome thought. And I know that God's not blind to our plight. He answers when we call. He's there when we need a shoulder to lean on. And thank, thankfully, we have brothers and sisters in the church, but y'all know good and well that there are some times when not even a brother or a sister can give you what you need. What you need is you need to go to a place, maybe of isolation, and not because you're running away from something, but because you're running to Him. And maybe you need to find yourself at a well, a place of refreshing, a place, a time where you can sit alone with God like Pastor Chris and Lisa were talking about. You know, they, they, they need this time sometimes where they can just hear from God. It's not easy. I will tell you, I have, I've been in the ministry 28 years and pastoring over 25 of those years. And, and, and I, have, I have learned the value of getting along with God. 
I've learned the value of, of not being so rushed all the time and, and, you know, trying not to take on everybody else's burdens because we can't do that. Jesus is the only one that said, lay your burdens on me. And I have to learn to lay them at the foot of the cross as well. So I've also learned that um, at the moment when I need to be reassured the most, just like Hagar, when she needed that reassurance. In fact, she was pregnant, and she didn't have any idea what was going to happen to her unborn baby. What a scary moment. Tyler, could you imagine, you know, like what it would be, you know, to, to be in her situation? And, and Kate, is it your like Kate? You know, to be in a place where she'd been hurt, she'd been wounded, she'd been crushed by people, and being sent off, you know, or not necessarily sent, but driven basically off to a place of isolation because of hurt and pain. Man, all by yourself. I've learned that there's an old Spanish saying that I've, I've come to love, and it's, uh, it's todo estar bien. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He soothed Hagar's worries, and he gave her peace of mind. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, as it was with Hagar, God promised that he would, he would never leave you and never forsake you. I love the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, during the greatest times of your need that Elrohi pours out his grace and his mercy upon you. In times when we don't understand and the finish line is nowhere in sight, when like Hagar, we're tempted to run from the pain because it's easier than submitting to suffering. But don't you know that those that suffer with Christ will also rule and reign with him in the end? So let me encourage you today, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, to hold your ground, to be steadfast in your faith. God sees you where you are. And the pain is real. I get it, but God is greater than your pain. And I believe on the way this morning, I was just praying and talking to the Lord some, and I believe the Lord would had, had told me that maybe somebody in here this morning is, is facing a situation where you feel like leaving, whatever it is, a job, maybe it's a relationship. I'm not saying that leaving is the wrong thing. I'm just saying that if it is, let God determine that. You, you need to wait on the Lord. Whatever the situation is, you need to wait until God speaks because if you move too soon and you move out of the timing of God, then you, like the rest of us, you just mess things up here like, like Abram and Sarai. It sounded good. It sounded like the solution, the fix, but God had a greater promise. He had something greater in mind. And if they had just waited a little longer... God would have revealed what that was. But because of it, they suffered a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. And in fact, you and I know that the world, even today, is still suffering from those decisions that were made way back then. You're not the only one that suffers from a bad decision when you don't wait on God. Your family will suffer. Your close friends will suffer the ones you love and care about the dearest, and maybe even your church family. Some, somebody will suffer along with you, not just you. So I'm just saying, wait on the Lord.
and let him renew your strength. He'll give you the strength to walk. He'll give you the strength to run it out, to run the course, but just wait on him. In the year 2020, well, like I said, our world changed. But I can honestly say from 2020 to year, uh, the physical year of 2020 to 2021 was probably one of the hardest years of my entire life. I had, in my ministry, I've, I've preached a lot of funerals and I, I have, um, man, I've, I've gone through some rough times, but I, I attended or preached more funerals that year in my ministry than I had preached probably in 10 or 12 years combined. Eight of, eight of, out of all of those, eight of those were people in my own family. Eight. I don't know if you lost anybody during COVID or during the, and, and all of it wasn't related to COVID, but I lost my dad. I lost my older brother. I lost my aunt. I lost five cousins in that entire, that one year among other friends that I preached funerals for. And I can be honest, it, it hurt. It was painful. You see, the enemy, he, he tries to work. If we don't allow God to work through us, he will, he will try to work through us and to cause us to be hurt and bitter and angry and upset. Can I tell you, the, the enemy's tried to take me out more times than I can count, but Jesus has saved me more times than I can count too. He has saved me, not just salvation, but saved me. When I was four years old, I was diagnosed with a very rare heart condition. My heart ventricles are not like yours. Mine are actually what they call inverted. My right and left ventricle are opposite of each other. I also have a leakage in my tricuspid valve. The, when you look at my heart biology and, and even my lungs, my lungs are shaped different than yours. My heart is obviously different. I've suffered many things through my young life. I suffered with really bad asthma growing up to the point where I was hospitalized many times. I have suffered costochondritis. Some of you probably don't even know what that is. Inflammation in the layers between, uh, like it, mine was in my chest. It can be anywhere, but it's basically inflammation that causes great pain. So many things have happened uh, in, in, in my life. And, and, you know, I could just, the, the list goes on and on and on. I, in fact, I had to write some of it down, but um, I, I have bouts with a flutter. If, if you're a heart patient, you know it, probably know what that is. Some of you have kind of felt your heart jump once in a while. That's a, that's a flutter. It's called a flutter. Um, and you feel it, you know, maybe, you know, if it's to you, if it's a lot, if you feel it once or twice a day, maybe some of you feel it every other month. I, I have like thousands of these a day. And that a flutter leads into severe attacks of atrial fibrillation, where because of my heart condition, I'm not a normal case, and atrial fibrillation, for the most part, to some people, would just kind of immobilize them a little bit, or they kind of feel bad, and it, it literally takes me out. It takes me out of the game. I, I get I get dizzy. I get faint. Um, I, it's very painful in my chest, I have to go to the emergency room and I have to be electrocardio inverted or electro, I don't I guess they just call it cardioversion, where it's, they take those paddles and they, they zap you with 200 joules of electricity. <laughs> That's no fun. The enemy has tried over the years, many times I've suffered migraines. 
Um, I have still had lung surgery where I've had tumors taken out of my right lung. I still have some there today. Um, I contracted aspergillus mold, which was come to what's well, known as aspergilliosis. It's very dangerous. A lot of people die from that, but the Lord saved me. And if that's not enough, <laughs> my body likes to produce kidney stones the size of marbles. And if you've had one of those, you know what that feels like, and that's very painful. And I'm just saying this, there's a lot of times when I could be frustrated, I could quit, and I could, I could give up. But I have to say, Toto, estar bien. Everything's going to be all right. And the reason I know this is because I see the God who sees me. And He is the God in my hard places. And so when I suffer these hard situations, these hard places, I have to keep my focus on Him. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God sees you too. And you're not alone. And you're not been, you've not been singled out. But if you're doing what's right, and you're serving the Lord, there's going to be days when, you know, it's, it's a little hard. It's a little difficult. But He is with you.